Hey, good morning. It's Patricia Murphy. It's Monday. This is Seattle Now. Washington's education system has been through a lot in the past decade. Changes in funding, the pandemic, and the Seattle Times Education Lab has been there to report on it all. In a minute, reporter Dahlia Bazaz will walk us through the changes and what they mean for students and teachers across the state. But first, here's what's coming up this week. Heads up, today is the last day to register to vote online in the November election. You can register in person as late as Election Day. Today's deadline also applies if you need to update your voter registration information. The election is about a week away. Be sure and check out KUOW's handy interactive guide to help you figure out which candidates you agree with most. We'll drop a link in the show notes. The 2023 cruise season wraps up today. Port officials told Como the season is on pace to exceed 1.7 million passengers. That's 400,000 more than last year. The port says business from cruise ships pumps more than 900 million into the local economy over the season. The last big boat out looks to be the Norwegian Sun, which disembarks this evening for a 20-night cruise through the Panama Canal, Mexico, and Bahamas. Sounds sunny and warm, if that's the kind of weather you like. And it's Halloween tomorrow. Lots of fun stuff going on around the city. Why not check out Fremont's Trolloween? Come to the free all-ages event in front of the troll, then walk around the neighborhood during the annual Haunt of Fremont. If you're a horror movie fan, head to the Royal Room in Columbia City for a showing of 1921's The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. It's billed as the first true horror film, and bonus, it's a silent movie that's being scored by a live orchestra. No matter what you choose to do, have a happy or scary Halloween, whichever you prefer, and don't forget to brush your teeth. Nobody can accuse Washington voters of being stingy when it comes to funding education. The state now spends $30 billion on K-12, twice what we spent 10 years ago. It's nearly half of the state budget. Despite all that money, the most recent round of standardized test scores shows that students are still way behind where they were before the pandemic. Reporting shows only about a third of the state's fourth graders were proficient readers. There's also deeper structural problems with heftier price tags to address. For the last decade, the Seattle Times has dedicated a special team to exploring what's working and what isn't in Washington schools. Dahlia Bazaz is a reporter with EdLab. Dahlia, really glad you're here. Thanks so much for taking the time. Thanks for having me on. You've been covering the education system for a really long time, Dahlia. What do you think? Is the system working the way it's supposed to? One thing I hear often from critics of the education system is that the system is actually working for the students that it was designed for, students without disabilities, students who come from means, kids of parents who have the time and money to spend on supplementing their kids' education and kids who speak English as their first language. But it's important to note that every demographic group did take a hit during the pandemic, even those whose needs are well met by the system. So as you can imagine, um, students of color were affected, students with disabilities, students who come from migrant or immigrant families. So students who may need an extra assist or some more help getting caught up academically, Dahlia, is what you're saying. Those students we have to put the most work into. 
Yeah, and, and those are the students who before the pandemic also needed that assistance, and so it just stretched the existing gaps. It's hard to overstate the impact the pandemic had on our lives. Students and young people had their worlds rocked. How did that show up in the classroom? So schools have grown to be these social services hubs, places where kids were reached when other parts of our government weren't reaching them. And when those resources were taken away, such as during the school closures, kids felt those things really acutely. One of the first stories that I did that chronicled the impact of the pandemic on students was about students who are about to be the first in their families to go off to college. And I remember speaking with a student in Leavenworth who just foreshadowed all of the downstream effects for students. He uh, was trying to figure out which colleges to go to. He told me that he was writing out, because he didn't have a laptop, he was writing out his college essays on his phone, conducting the whole application process from his phone. And he was also at the same time babysitting his siblings and making sure they were getting online learning and assistance. And he's the child of a single dad. And so he was dealing with a lot during that time. And I remember something he said to me, he said, I don't have working internet. I don't have the technology and I don't have the things that other kids have. Mm -hmm. And I think that really speaks to the way the pandemic even further showed us when the government shuts down, when our society shuts down, it always separates into the have and the have nots. One of the things you reported on was a major development in the demographics of students in the Washington school system last year. Students of color officially became the majority in the state's schools. How does that compare to the teacher demographics? Who's instructing in the classrooms? So the teaching field is predominantly white in Washington state and across the country, and the plurality are white women. So the the diversity of the teacher workforce has not kept up with how rapidly the student diversity has uh, been changing. And there are a lot of downstream effects there, as you might imagine. I think um, a lot of the research bears out that students of all races and demographics benefit from having a diverse teaching staff uh, because they are going to go out into a world that is racially diverse and uh, they need to be able to communicate and learn from people of all different walks of life. A 2017 study of more than 100,000 black students in North Carolina found that low-income boys who had at least one black teacher in elementary school were almost 40% less likely to drop out of high school and they had a stronger interest in attending college. And anecdotally, I met a black teacher in Seattle Public Schools. His name is Tola. He no longer works at the district. But when I interviewed him, he was so invested in the outcomes of his students that were under his charge. Um, He kept a spreadsheet of what they were doing after they left his class. Um, He was documenting whether they'd fill out their financial aid forms. He would go visit them at their community college campus and he would open up his classroom in the summer for his students who had already graduated to come back and talk to him. So that level of investment is really pronounced. Yeah, yeah. You know, we've been talking about students in schools statewide, but what are you hearing from Seattle area students and teachers about how they think it's going? 
Well, I think this is where a lot of the budget challenges and funding issues come into play and you see it play out in the classroom. We still are in a system that distributes money on a per student basis. So whenever there is an enrollment loss, like we saw during the pandemic, the district has to then accommodate or adapt to that lower enrollment number. So they are getting less money from the state. In addition, there are still some challenges districts have with getting enough money for students with disabilities. The state does not currently fully reimburse for every special education student. It places a cap on the number of students that it will fund per district. So that is an, another challenge that the district has to raise money for every year. And then added on top of that, you know, this was more acute in the last two years as students were coming back from online learning, but there are still issues with, um, you know, having enough staff, but then also being able to uh, work with students that are still getting back into the rhythm of having in-person school. So it's a lot of different forces. I think the budget challenges are really stressing um, staff and community members out. And um, now that the district is warning of school closures possibly coming up, there could be even more uh, shuffle and um, disruption. Yeah, yeah. And to your point about Seattle Public Schools budget problems, a lot of kids disappeared from school following the pandemic. There were kids who ended up in private school. Some kids just never returned. Yeah, that's right. Our homeschooling population went up exponentially in Washington state. And I have not seen the most recent numbers for private schools, but I have heard anecdotally that some did choose to enroll their students in private schools. I don't know what that's going to look like several years from now because I have already heard about people who have since pulled their kids out of private schools given some of the economic downturn and, and chosen to re-enroll in public schools. Time will really tell and also how much the districts try to claw back some of the students that they lost. Yeah. What have leaders heard from experts about what needs to change in Washington's education system here? One thing I hear a lot is the need to bring schools up to the 21st century. And I think it means a lot of things. It means making sure the curriculum reflects the world that students will have to navigate one day, making sure there's a better link between K-12 and higher ed, making sure the school staff represents the diversity of their neighborhoods and students, and making sure that all those changes reach every student and that the improvements that happen don't stay siloed. There are a lot of promising programs out there doing great things for kids, but they often stay local. Those are really big ideas and really big changes to a system that would take a lot of work, Dahlia. What would it actually take to get there? We already spend billions on education. A lot of political will. Mm, that sounds that sounds pretty accurate, Dahlia, a lot of political will, because those conversations get fraught very quickly, especially around curriculum. Yeah. Dahlia Bazaz, really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me. This was fun. Dahlia Bazaz is an education reporter with the Seattle Times. Thanks for listening to Seattle Now. If you became a new or renewing member during our most recent 
Fund Drive. Thank you so much for supporting the programs you love. If you haven't become a member, support this station and this podcast through the link in the show notes. Today's episode was produced by Lucy Suchek with some help from Brendan Sweeney. Our production team also includes Caroline Chamberlain Gomez, Claire McGrain, Jenny Cecil Moore, Vaughn Jones, and Matt Martin. Matt Jorgensen does our theme music. Seattle Now and KUOW Public Radio are members of the NPR Network. It's an independent coalition of public media podcasters. You can find more shows in the network wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Patricia Murphy. See you tomorrow.